Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, good morning, Movement Church. So glad you're here this morning. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Megan. My husband was the good-looking guy on the stage just a little bit ago. Uh, we're some of the pastors here, and, and I'm just excited to get to preach this morning because we are starting a brand new series, and it's called Falcons and Unicorns. How many of you are just a little curious and excited about this? Falcons and unicorns. And this entire series is all about celebrating our differences and embracing our strengths. And we kind of got the idea for this series because our good friends, Reza and Katie, some of you might know who they are, but we have some good friends. And he was telling us a story and explaining to us that he always wanted to be a falconeer. His great-grandfather was a falconeer and his grandfather before him. So it was kind of like a, a family tradition. And for those of you who don't know what a falconeer is, it's a person who trains and works with falcons. In fact, I think we have a picture. Yes. So this, you can't see the person, but you see the falcon there. And so Reza had just always wanted to be a falconeer. And so his wife decided that she was going to surprise him for his birthday. And she got him a falcon experience. And so they went to go and to spend some time with this falconeer and, and to learn all about falcons. And the falconeer began to explain to them the details of what it would take to raise a falcon, what it was like to keep one of these birds of prey. And he explained that when you raise a falcon, you have to raise it from birth and you care for it, you feed it, you raise it from the time it's a chick, you take it to the doctor, you give it a bath, you take care of it, you hunt with it, you do everything with it. And basically, basically you become connected to this falcon. You are connected. You nurture it. You love it. You care for it. It goes with you everywhere that you go. And after years of pouring your heart and soul into this bird, it will at best tolerate your presence. <laughs> and upon hearing this, Reza said, sir, you just described my wife. <laughs> and he began to evaluate this idea of a, a falcon personality and, and how some people have a personality a little bit like a falcon because falcons, they, they might present an exterior of being emotionless, uncaring, indifferent to others. <laughs> they are, however, loyal to no end to those that they love and that they trust. And they come across a tiny bit standoffish, right? In intimidating, not overly perky or cheery, but they're wise, they're planners, they're powerful, they're driven. This is a falcon. Does anybody know any falcons or identify with any falcons? All right. And so we just thought, well, maybe the opposite personality of a falcon might be a unicorn. <laughs> Do we have a picture of a unicorn? We had that unicorn visit one of our events. You see, unicorns are flashy. 
They're attention grabbing. They're the life of the party. They cannot stand silence. In fact, they have a habit of talking too much. And they probably invade your personal space. And the thing about unicorns is they're always searching for the next magical moment. Next. Does anybody know any unicorns? (laughs) Falcons and unicorns. And obviously, these two animals don't encompass every human personality, right? Not every human fits into that category. But in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about celebrating our differences and embracing our strengths. And listen, if you're human, you need this. Elbow your neighbor, somebody next to you, and say, you need this. (laughs) So many of the, the frustrations, so many of the annoyances, the things that we have to deal with happen because of people, don't they? I sometimes say that the world would be a lot easier if it weren't for all the people. But the thing we're going to talk about is that our differences are not dysfunction. They're our design. They're not dysfunction. They're our design. And listen, if you're here and you don't know exactly what what your design is, maybe you've never fully explored your personality, I just want to encourage you to make sure you take the time to come and check out our Next Steps course. It happens every Sunday after second service, and we say this every week, but we do two courses. One is my life and one is my future. And in my future, the whole objective is to help you discover the way that you were made so you can live the way you were made to live. And so I just want to challenge you, make sure you check out our Next Steps course. It's a great option for you. And in fact, today, my husband and I will be there after second service telling a little bit of our story, and we'd like to get to know you a little bit better. But for right now, can we do this? Can we take a moment and pray before we dive in? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, God, I thank you for every single person who showed up in the room today. God, I know it's not by accident that anyone is here. So God, I just ask that you would open our heart. God, I pray that there would be a moment in today's message, God, where you just lean in close and and remind us that you care. God, where you challenge us a little bit so that we can make the changes that are needed to make. And God, we just thank you that you're patient with us and that you love us exactly as we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thanks, Brooks. Brooks plays so pretty back there while I'm praying, doesn't he? Yeah, come on, let's give him him a great big hand clap. (laughs) Just wanted to embarrass you and call you out. Hey, so what we're talking about today is embracing our differences and understanding that our differences are not dysfunction, they're our design. And so if there's anything you take away, this is what I'm hoping that you get, okay? And so we're going to explore the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the thing I love about this chapter of the Bible is it's talking to us about how we are all part of a family and actually it calls us a body, a body of believers. And so if you're here today, and you're not sure what you believe. If you're here today and you're kind of wrestling with your faith and you're not sure, permission to belong before you believe. If you're here today and you call yourself a Christ follower, I want you to understand this scripture right here is speaking to us, this body of believers. And so it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, it says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Many parts, but yet one body. Listen, I just want to challenge us. Our differences are not dysfunction. They're design. God knew that we needed all different parts, all different people, all different personalities, all different passions and gift sets. God knew we needed all of it, and we're not complete without all of it. So there's people in this room today, and the way that God designed you is you have a personality that is extremely direct. I mean, you say what you're thinking, and you're a driver. You think my husband might be one of these. You're a driver. You're going to get things done. You're going to accomplish things. You are big picture. Some of you in this room, you see the big picture, and you, you're great at delegating people towards reaching that big picture. Some might call you bossy. I just call Call it leadership, right? So some of you in this room, you associate with that. And then there's other people in the room today, and, and you are just exciting. You're fun to be around. You're the life of the party. You always have high energy. You might talk a lot with your hands. In fact, you might talk too much sometimes, and, and some people might call you a show-off, but I just call you an entertainer. You just like people. And then there's other ones of you, in fact, probably a great majority in this room who are safe and you're stable and you are easy like Sunday morning. Come on. Easy like Sunday morning. And you are agreeable. I mean, you are the kind of person who you don't necessarily have to weigh in on your opinion because you just want everybody to get along. And some people might call you a people pleaser, but I just call you a peacemaker. That is who you are. And some of you are here and you are precise. You're strategic. You are methodical. In fact, you love a good Excel spreadsheet. You are detail-oriented. You know you are. You are organized. You're a planner. You're a perfectionist. And some might call you uptight, but I just say you get it done right. Right? Come on. And here's the funny thing about our personalities. When, when we have a personality that's the driver, that's direct, that's big picture, that is exciting and wants, wants things to be fun and exciting, hey, listen, their, their objective is we're going to be progress-driven kind of people. I don't care how you do it, just do it, right? This is the perspective of these types of personalities. I don't care how it gets done, just get it done, and let's move on to what's next, Right? But this drives the process people crazy. The people who want it to be precise. They want it to be correct. They want it to be safe. They don't want to rock the boat. And, and some of you here, you're going, it is so much more important how we do it than when we get it done. And you are meticulously planning every single detail so that you hit the mark of perfection and how slow I'm talking is driving the rest of you crazy because it's driving me crazy too. 
Some of you in this room, you're all about people. And some of you in this room, you don't care if you ever talk to another person again. In fact, a lot of them are hiding in our tech booth right now, making all the things happen. Can you see why with all of our different personalities, all of our different personalities, that people can actually really annoy us and frustrate us? Can you see that? Have you ever thought, if you could only think like me, get on my level? Anybody? Anybody? Nobody's guilty of this, just me. All right. The problem is, is that resentment develops when we don't work to embrace one another's differences. This is where resentment develops in relationships. If any of you are married, you can understand this because we have different types of personalities within our marriages. And if you're the kind of person who, who likes to recharge alone and you need some quiet space, some downtime, but your spouse is the kind of person who is a party person. They need something new and something fun all the time. And, and they are constantly inviting people over to your house. And you're the kind of person that wants your house to be in order and clean. And they're like, who cares? It's people. And they're always just inviting people over to your house. It is very possible that you are going to become resentful towards that spouse that you live with because of the decisions that they're making. And so it's so important and vice versa. If you're never allowed to have people to your house and you're a people person, man, that's going to be discouraging. And so part of the reason we have to understand one another's differences and work to celebrate them is because we don't want resentment to develop. You know, in parenting, this is important too. I'm raising a falcon and a unicorn. I've got both living in my house, and, and my, my falcon daughter, uh, she, she needs a plan all the time. And here's the thing, I don't always have a plan, okay? I make a plan as I'm going, and I feel like my plan is pretty good when I get there, but that's the way that this works, and so she needs a plan at all times. And, and so, I can be kind of frustrating to her as a parent because I don't always have a plan. And some of you are like that poor child. You feel her pain right now. I mean, she used to, when she was in kindergarten, have to have her socks lined up precisely, the line exactly across her toes, or she couldn't go to school. And I was like, what is wrong with you? Just put the socks on your feet. Or all the stuffed animals used to have to be lined up in order on her bed, and her dad and I would mess with them, and we'd move them around, and it was like disastrous. Y'all are like that poor child. And some of you are like, that's good for her. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, sometimes you, you have to understand personalities in a work environment or a school environment. The people that you're doing life with on a daily basis. You know, Pastor Carrie and I were pastors on staff at a great church in Phoenix, Arizona. We were associate pastors. And, and we had a, a girl that we worked with. And I can talk about this because we're good friends now. But her name is Michelle Brown. And every time we would go into a meeting with Michelle Brown, Pastor Carrie and I would have the best ideas. I mean, we really did. We had the best ideas, big ideas, like big dreaming ideas. And every single time we presented one of our ideas, it was like Michelle just had to rain on our parade. It was like, this is going to cost too much. And how is that going to work? And how are these details going to work out? And we were like, what is wrong with you, Debbie Downer? We were so frustrated. And honestly, we thought she just doesn't like us. Like, she just doesn't like us. What is your problem, girl? I mean, one time we decided we had a big idea that in Arizona, they don't ever see snow. And so we decided that for Christmas, we should bring in loads and loads and loads of snow into the parking lot so our kids could play in the snow. What a great idea, right? And Michelle was like, if we put snow in the parking lot, there's nowhere for people to park their cars. And we were like, who cares? There'll be snow. 
But the truth is, people weren't going to come to church that day if they didn't have a place to park their cars. <laughs> so they weren't going to be able to play in the snow until we solved the problem of getting some parking spaces in the parking lot, right? And so we had to learn how to work with Michelle Brown because she felt like she didn't like us. It felt like she was always against our ideas, but Michelle was a problem solver. She could poke holes in any situation and identify where the needs were and what we needed to do to make it better and to execute it well. And when we finally learned how to work with Michelle Brown, we were like a power team. We were the big ideas and she was the make it happen. But the problem is, is we've got to be really careful in our work environments, in our schools, in our churches, in our families. We've got to be really careful that our differences don't cause division. All of us are guilty of this. It would have been really easy in that situation with Michelle Brown for us to form teams. The Robinsons, fun, unrealistic, irresponsible ideas against Michelle's practical, boring ideas. It would have been really easy to form teams. And we've got to be careful that our differences don't cause division. You know, in the book of Acts, I love that the Bible gives us some insight into things that were happening way, way back then. And in, in the book of Acts, we find the Apostle Paul, and he is with John Mark, and they are preaching the gospel from city to city. They're starting churches. They're seeing people saved. And here's the thing I love about John Mark. He actually wrote the book of Mark, which happens to be my favorite gospel, okay? And the reason it's my favorite gospel is because everything about Mark in the, in the gospel of Mark, he uses the word immediately so many times. I love it. It is the most fast-paced storytelling, miracles and movement and next, what's next? It's that kind of a gospel and I love it. And I think Mark must have been a unicorn, like he must have been. And so I think that's why I love it. But what happens in the book of Acts in chapter 13 is the apostle Paul and his Mark are preaching preaching the gospel and starting churches, they come to this point where all of a sudden they split ways. And we don't know exactly why. We don't know why they split ways, but they say that Paul went on to do the work of the ministry and Mark returned to Jerusalem. And what we know is that the apostle Paul, he was single. We know that he was very, very focused. We know that he was driven. We know that he wasn't going to let anything distract him from the mission. And what we know about Mark is that Mark actually had a family. Now, we don't know why he went back to Jerusalem, but he could have gotten a letter from his wife that one of his kids was sick. He could have, he could have just had a brand new idea because unicorns tend to have new ideas and they, they pounce on them all the time. I mean, I don't know why Mark left Paul and separated to go back to Jerusalem, but it ticked Paul off. It made him really mad. So fast forward a period of time and, and Paul is doing the work of the ministry. He's seen the advancement of the gospel and, and he has a man named Barnabas who has joined him and he looks at Barnabas and he says, let's go back to every city that we visited. Let's go check on them. Let's go see how they're doing. Let's continue to encourage them in the Lord. And, and Barnabas looks at Paul and he says, that's a great idea. Let's go get John Mark to go with us as well. And Paul is like, heck no. We are not bringing that quitter with us on this mission. And here's the thing, Barnabas, he stands up for Mark in that moment. He stands up for him and it says that Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement and they parted ways. So 
the thing that I want us to get here is that conflict had arisen in the apostles of the faith, the builders and leaders of the first century church. Even they had conflict and disagreement. Even they looked at things differently and, and handled things differently. But the thing is, neither of them was wrong. Neither of them was wrong. Paul wasn't wrong for being frustrated at Mark, and, and Mark wasn't necessarily wrong for going in a different direction. But, but the problem was is it caused some division for a moment. And there's redemption to this story because later on in the scripture, we see that Paul actually, he, he actually says, you know what? I do appreciate and value John Mark. He, he begins to acknowledge the good things that Mark is doing. But, but what could have happened if Paul had been more open in the first place? What could have happened if Mark had just had a better conversation with Paul when he left to go to Jerusalem? Sometimes our disagreements can cause division if we're not careful. And the reason we're doing this series on celebrating our differences and embracing our strengths is because we need one another. We need one another. We need every part to the body. We are not complete without one another. And if we don't recognize that, we'll allow little seeds of annoyance to feed the monster of division. And it destroys families, it destroys friendships, it destroys churches, it destroys companies. Listen, we feed the monster of division with our own assumptions, our own opinions, and our own offenses. So I just wanna challenge us in this series. But as we're talking about embracing our differences, I also wanna pause and acknowledge that there's a big word that is floating around, and it's being used a lot lately, and, and it's the word acceptance. And we can understand that, right? We can understand that because every single one of us desires to be accepted. Every single one of us does. But oftentimes when we hear this word being used, we hear the word acceptance, what people are really saying is, let me do and let me be what I want. And I've just got to challenge us, church, our responsibility isn't to change people, but acceptance does not equal compromise. It does not equal compromise on biblical convictions. So if you are my friend and you are committing adultery or you're struggling with a major drug addiction, I don't get to sit back and go, you do you, boo. I accept you. No. I can accept someone as a person while simultaneously challenging them to stay true to the conviction of the scripture. So when we talk about embracing our differences, when we talk about that, we're talking about behaviors that have no bearing on eternity, okay? I can love you unconditionally, but I'm not going to accept a lifestyle that is contrary to the word of God, okay? So when we talk about embracing our differences, this is where we're coming from. God created us with diversity on purpose for a purpose. So now what? Are you ready? Now what? What are some things we can do to begin to celebrate one another's differences? If you are taking notes, I would challenge you to write these three points down because they are going to help you in whatever relationship that you're in, whether it's a marriage, whether it's parenting or friendship. Listen, you want to capture this. So number one, celebrate their strengths. Celebrate their strengths. Hey, it's easy to focus on other people's weaknesses, isn't it? Especially in others. We see other people's weaknesses very easily, don't we? Or am I just, I'm just the only one. I want, sorry, babe. I want everyone in this room to just think of somebody right now. 
Somebody who has a personality who just gets a little bit under your skin. Everybody got somebody? Okay, now I know you're thinking about what drives you crazy about that person, right? Here's what I want you to do. Keep thinking of that person. Now I want you to think about a strength that they have. What's something that they're good at? What's something that they bring to the table that is a strength? You see, the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 27, a man is talking to Jesus, and he's repeating back to him the, the greatest commandments. And he says this, the first and greatest commandment is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And the second greatest commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And so this man, thinking he's going to be a little bit smart with Jesus, he goes, who's our neighbor? And Jesus begins to paint this picture. Maybe you're familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. If you're not, you can read it in Luke chapter 10. But Jesus begins to paint this picture about who our neighbor is. And the way that he breaks it down is that our neighbor is a stranger. It's the person that we don't know that well. And in fact, it might even be an enemy. But over and over again in the scripture, it's repeated, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's challenging. And Jesus knew it would be challenging, which is why it's repeated over and over again in scripture. But what I want to challenge you to do with the people who sometimes tend to get a little bit under your skin, that frustrate you, that annoy you, those things that you just are like, ugh. What I want to challenge you to do is to begin to celebrate their strengths. Sometimes you've got to choose to love. Sometimes you've got to choose that you've got to decide something that you're going to celebrate. And here's the thing. When we begin to celebrate the strengths inside of others, it cultivates compassion for their weaknesses. When we celebrate someone's strengths, it cultivates compassion for their weaknesses. And here's the deal. Feelings follow focus. So start focusing on their strengths and not the things that are driving you crazy. Here's a practical for you. Make a list. Every single person in this room has somebody in your mind that drives you crazy. And it might be your spouse sitting next to you. Do not elbow them right now. But begin to make a list of that person's strengths. Figure it out. There's something. I promise there's something. So begin to write those things down. And then every time you start to get frustrated, go back and read that list and just read it over and over and over again until you're so focused on their strengths, you're not focusing in on their weaknesses, right? We've got to practice looking for the good. So celebrate their strengths. Number two is this, acknowledge my weaknesses, not Megan's. I don't have any weaknesses. <laughs> no, everybody make this personal. I'm going to acknowledge my weaknesses. I love the scripture in Matthew chapter 7, and it says this in the Passion Paraphrase. It says, refuse to be a critic full of bias towards others, and judgment will not be passed on you. For you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. So why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring faults of your own? How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong, when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. It's a double whammy. 
First, acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them. And then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spots of your friend. Listen, we're going to look more at judgment in week three of this series. But for today, let's listen to what that scripture says and focus in on what I can do. What can I do? I can acknowledge my weaknesses. I'm going to have to begin to expose the blind spots and the areas of weakness. And here's the thing about blind spots. There's a reason we call them blind spots because we can't see them clearly. So we're going to have to begin to learn a little bit about our design so that we can understand what some of our weaknesses might be. Maybe coming to next steps is a great step for you. Maybe exploring the Enneagram. This has been one of Carrie's and my favorite tools as of lately and learning how we've been wounded and how that affects us and our personality. And it gives you several steps to take for transformation. Maybe you need to begin to study that and unpack it. Maybe the key for you in uncovering your blind spots and identifying some areas of weakness might be to sit down with someone and ask them, what is it like to sit across the table from me? Maybe for you, the key to unlocking some conflict in your marriage is to simply sit down and say, what is it like to sit across the table from me? Maybe this is a key for parenting with some of the issues that have been rising with your kids. Just ask, what's it like for me as a parent? And be willing to listen. Not just shut down the feedback that you get. And listen, spouses, if, you're, if your spouse comes to you and asks you this question, this is not your opportunity to slap them upside the head with all the things they've done wrong. No, celebrate their strengths first and then share, honestly, some of the weaknesses that they may not realize are weaknesses. Listen, we've got to be willing to ask the questions so we can identify those blind spots because we've got to acknowledge our weaknesses. Listen, do not be the person who says, well, It's just the way I am. I've known so many of those people. They read about their personalities and they're like, yep, that's me. Great. Now do something. Proverbs 26, 12 says, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. See, I wonder if sometimes our unwillingness to change is just a defense weapon against vulnerability. You don't want to appear weak. But listen to me, church, it takes great strength to acknowledge your weaknesses. Weaknesses don't equal a flawed design. It simply illuminates a need for improvement. I love the scripture in Psalm 139, 23, and it says this, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that might be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through my anxious cares. See if there is a path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back in your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. Some of you just need to start with opening your heart to God and going, God, what are some of the areas inside of me? With my personality, the way you designed me, what are some of the weaknesses that come with that and And what do I need to do to get back on a path that you have for me? Because the third point would be this, change. Celebrate their strengths, acknowledge my weaknesses, and number three, change. Do something. 
listen, do something different than what you've been doing. Do something. President Barack Obama made this statement. I love this quote from him. It says, change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. Listen, so often we're guilty of waiting for the relationships that we have to change. The relationship with our spouse, the relationship with our kids, the friendships that are around us. We're just tapping our foot impatiently waiting for people to change. But the greatest change that we can ever make and really the only change we can ever affect is actually changing ourselves. So we've got to be willing to acknowledge our weaknesses and discover our blind spots so that we can work on change. Not so that somebody else will change, but so that we can get better, so that we can become more like who God has called us to become. Because our differences aren't dysfunction. They're our design. And we need all parts of the body. We need all parts. So maybe if you're here and you're one of those people who is direct, you're always going to tell people what you're thinking. You're a great delegator. You're a great leader. You take charge in any scenario. Hey, listen, maybe, just maybe, one thing you could change is, is just learn to, to listen a little more. To slow down. I know that's scary. <laughs> to slow down and to ask more questions. To be open to the ideas of other people and maybe just listen a little more. Maybe if you're here and you're the, the fun, exciting, what's next kind of person, the life of the party, you're always talking, maybe you just need to be a little quiet and listen a little more too. Maybe you need to put the attention onto somebody else instead of it always being about you. Asking them questions, finding out what's going on in their world, or listen, maybe you just need to slow down and enjoy the moment and not be so focused on what's next. And if you're here and you're the safe and easy and stable person, easy like Sunday morning, and you're agreeable and, and you don't always offer your opinions or your thoughts because you just, you really don't want to rock the boat. You want to keep everybody happy and, and make sure everybody else feels good. Hey, listen, maybe one change you can make is to learn how to share what you're feeling, to share what you're thinking, maybe to have an opinion. It's okay for you to do that. And maybe you're here and you're precise and you're methodical and you're detail-oriented and you can always see the problem in every situation. Maybe one change you make is, is just beginning to see the hope in the situations that are in front of you too. Beginning to see the possibilities, not just the problems. You see, there's little tiny adjustments that every single one of us can make. We just have to be willing to make them. So I just want to challenge us, let's, let's work hard to be the kind of people that celebrate our differences, that recognize that we need all types of people, and we celebrate the strengths in others. We acknowledge the weaknesses in ourselves, and we do what it takes to change. What's one thing you could work on this week to change? I think every one of us could identify that. And then we ask God, like that Psalm says, search me, God, help me identify this and, and help me get back on the path towards you. 
Because all change really starts with Jesus. Transformation, it's challenging when we try to do it on our own. It's really the grace of God that that helps us to change. Why? Because when we have a relationship with Jesus and we're growing in a relationship with him, we're becoming more and more like him. The only perfect person that there ever was, was Jesus. And so as we grow more and more like him, we become more and more like him. And so I just want to challenge you, if you're here today and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've been wrestling with your faith, just kind of feeling a little undecided. We can talk about personalities all day long. We can talk about self-help and and things that you can do to get better, but the truth is, is transformation. That comes through the power of Jesus at work in our life. And you don't have to get perfect first. You don't have to get everything all together first. The Bible tells us he loves you just as you are. In fact, he designed you just as you are. And he chooses you today. He chooses you with all your past, all your mistakes. He chooses you. But he gives us the freedom to choose him. And I just want to take a moment right now and and pray a prayer. And if you're here today and you just need to make a decision to start a relationship with Jesus, don't let this moment pass you by. Can I just ask everyone in the room to bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat. I'm not going to ask you to pray out loud. But I would just ask you to personally take some inventory of your own heart. And if you're here today and and you've never started a relationship with Jesus, I believe today is your day. And if you're here today and, and maybe at one point you had a relationship with, with Jesus, but, but you've just kind of gone off and been trying to do things on your own, today is the day to come back. So I'm just going to invite you to pray this prayer with me in the quietness of your own heart, maybe in a small whisper. If that's you, today's a day for decision. And all around this room, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving around. If that's you and today you're making a decision to follow Jesus, just let these words be your own. You say, dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. I know that I've made mistakes. And I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for making a way for me to have a relationship with you. And today, all around the room, if this is you, let these words be the cry of your heart. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.